The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the Mighty One of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Behold, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jaar. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, thank you, Louders, for doing that. Uh, It's hard to take my eyes off the giant pink bow. That was fantastic. Um, Okay, so the title of today's sermon is Nostalgia and Future Glory. And the main idea that we're going to unpack is this, is that your security, my security, when our faith is in Christ, it doesn't, it doesn't lie in circumstances. Uh, it lies in a relationship. It rests in a relationship. Our security does. And that's good news because we all want security. We're all after it. We're all chasing security in some way or another. We, we go all kinds of places to look for it, right? Earning potential, work, relationships, addictions, spiritual work, traditions, And while we often look to things to give us security, God tells us the the rest that you want, the refuge that your heart longs for, is only found in Him. It's not found anywhere else. And so in the circumstances of life, He is always driving us straight to Him. And that's really what this psalm is about. And so I'm excited for us to unpack it. Have you ever had... A perfect day. Can you think of one? Can you think of a perfect day? I can think of a perfect day that I had. I can tell you what it is. It was 2007, 4th of July. I was with a group from the church that I was pastoring in Kansas City. We were on the Yakima Indian Reservation in Washington, uh, kind of in the, in the low country under the Cascade Mountains. And we 
had a day off where we were going to go into the Cascades and go play kind of around the, the foothills of Mount Rainier. If you've ever been to that part of the country, uh, there's just something about the Cascades that is different uh, than anything else in, in America. And we, we, I remember we woke up really early because we wanted to get as much life out of the day as we could. And it was really crisp air. It's 4th of July and it was really crisp and cool. And it was cherry season, and cherries were ripe. And it was also cherry country, where a lot of the cherries come from. In fact, if you've had Rainier cherries, those are the yellow and red ones that taste better than all other cherries in the world. They come from there, from Mount Rainier, right around there. And so we stopped on our way up to the foothills of Mount Rainier at a cherry stand, and everybody bought cherries, and we were just eating, eating these cherries right out of a paper bag, and, we, we, and the skies were clear. And we got to this mountain pass where the Pacific Crest Trail, the PCT, went through. And we stopped, and we parked, and we hiked two miles on the Pacific Crest Trail, to this lake called Sheep Lake, and there was longhorn sheep on the other side of where we were sitting, and the water was ice cold, and a bunch of people in our group jumped in the water in their clothes. And it was just glorious. And we swam, and we played, and we hiked, and then we got in our cars, and we went back into the town of of Toppenish, where there was this old kind of greasy spoon diner that had the greatest cheeseburger I've ever had in my life and onion rings and this chocolate banana malt that I can just, it was, I mean, a cheeseburger, onion rings, and a malt. I mean, come on. And we just sat there and and ate this food and it took a while because they were making it all and so we were just hanging out. We had all the time in the world. We finished our meal. Remember, it was the 4th of July and so we drove over to the casino And we parked in the parking lot, and the casino was where they were shooting off the fireworks. And OSHA hadn't made its way onto the res in those days, and so they were shooting the fireworks off right in front of us. And so we were laying on the warm asphalt as they're shooting fireworks, you know, 50 yards away from us, and we're just watching looking up as acrid burning pieces of paper are coming down all around us. And I remember as I'm laying there on the pavement thinking, this might be the most perfect day I've ever had. Do you have that experience? Have any of you ever had that experience? So, so the next year, we took another trip back there, and I made sure that we were going to do it over the same week where the 4th of July was because I was going to replicate this thing. Only the 4th of July didn't fall on the same day of the week and it wasn't really our day off. And so we had a different day that was the day off that we took. And I'm like, okay, we're going into Rainier. But we woke up and it was overcast and rainy. And I was like, Mm-mm, we're going anyway. And we tried to replicate the trip and it was a complete bust. It was terrible. We got up into the mountains and it was so foggy you couldn't see. It was so foggy, we didn't even get out of the van. We're like, let's just go back. And so we did. And it was awful. And I felt just so discouraged because what I wanted to do was I wanted to go back. I wanted to dip my toe in the pristine waters of glory again. Where's that happened in your life? Where you've gotten a taste of something 
And you, you want to get it back, but you just can't find a way to repeat it. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe it's happening to you right now. I'm sure on some measure it's happening for all of us right now where we're saying, you know, I do remember a time that was better than this one. But what, here's the thing is we long to create these, these things, these, these experiences that we remember and we remember them with kind of this nostalgia. But what nostalgia often does is we long to create, recreate a memory that we have because of the way we remember it. And the way we remember it is we remember it in its glory and we remember it in its peacefulness. And so it's something that we want again and we think that those things that we really want were actually contained in the moment and if we can just recreate the moment, then we can have that feeling, right? C.S. Lewis in his book, The Weight of Glory, He makes this quote. It's kind of a long quote, but it's just awesome, so I'm going to read it. He says this. He says, the books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust to them because it was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past, are good images of what we really desire. But if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers. For they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. Isn't that beautiful? In today's psalm, God's people are crying out to God to do something again. They're in a hard season, and they're asking God to do something again, something to return them to something that they hold in their minds and in their hearts with a measure of nostalgia. And the psalm is really divided into two halves, the first half being what the people are pleading with God to do, and the second half being God's response to that plea. And so let's unpack that. The people's plea, this is the first 10 verses of this psalm. The first half of the psalm has an agenda, and that is that the people are going through something that's hard, and they want God to take them back to a better time. And the poet, the way that he frames the prayer is he frames this prayer in nostalgia. And what he does is he hearkens back to the golden days of David's reign. Let it be like that again. You can't really overstate David's status in the minds of the people of Israel because he was their Camelot. That's what he represented. David is the one, he took him out of the wilderness, he established Jerusalem, and now they're in another wilderness. Perhaps they're in exile, perhaps they're in a war, and they're tired. They're just bone weary. And they're looking at the present and they're saying, what we're in right now is just a fight. And they're asking God, reside with us and stabilize us and stabilize our kingdom. Where are you in a fight? Where are you wishing that you could go back? And then what if you can't? What's 
the Lord's response here. The very first thing that the Lord says in response to this cry, Lord, remember what it was like when David was reigning and take us back to something like that. The first part of God's response in verse 11 is to say, you're people who have been given a promise. You are people of a promise and God is about to rehearse that promise for them. And the way that this promise works is on the one hand, yes, they should appeal to the past because their security rests in having a God who's promised them long ago that he would be faithful to them. So they should appeal to the past as people whose relationship with God is built on ancient promises, which is still true, by the way. If our faith is in God through Christ, we are resting in promises that he made to people on the other side of the world millennia ago. Our faith is in ancient promises. So that's still true. Our security rests in promises that he made a long time ago. But on the other hand, whenever we appeal to God's promises, we should expect that part of what follows is a reminder of what those promises actually were, not what we remember them to be, which can sometimes be very different things, right? God does this because in his mercy, he knows that we are prone to misremember. That's a great euphemism, isn't it? I mean, it's what we do when we come to the Lord's table, right? Jesus said, do this. Why? To remember. To remember what the promise is. And this is where nostalgia comes in and can trip us up because we can remember God's promises as promising what we want in the moment. God, you, you promised to be good to me, which means comfort, which means ease in a difficult situation, which means relief in a hard time, which means prosperity in a time of want, which means love in a time of loneliness, which means affection in a time of social distancing, which means success in a time of having a difficulty finding our way vocationally. All the freedoms that we can remember having had at one point. You ever do this? You face something in life that's not easy and you just wonder, why, God, are you not keeping your promise? You see how, how much you jump over? <laughs> Life is hard. God, why aren't you keeping your promise? And the reply is, well, which promise specifically are you, are you talking about here? Did God promise that in this world you will have no trouble? Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. When things aren't going as we want or as we understand, our default can be to assume that something has broken down on God's end. And so we appeal to what we remember about his oaths and often through a lens of a nostalgic memory of what those oaths were. And so when we're struggling, here's one way we get off course, is we remember a time in the past with such nostalgic romance that our memory of that time is more perfect than the era truly was. And then we expect God to take us to the era that we remember. As though the peace that we felt came from the moment and not from him. 
And so far, the promise that God reminds them of in verse 11 is that he said, I will establish my kingdom and one of David's descendants will ascend the throne forever. That's the promise. And from this oath, God will not turn his back. And those who follow that king, the psalm says, will be kept forever. But what that means is if what they really want is to return to David's era, they're aiming too low. Because verses 12 through 18 say, no, this is what the promise means. This is the Lord's response. And it beckons us all to lift your eyes from the romantic fog of your nostalgia and stop wishing for the past because your security does not lie in an era, it lies in a relationship. And that's the key. I'm just going to read verses 11 to 18 one more time so that you can see what the promise is. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion and he has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever, and here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, and on him his crown will will shine. Do you see it? What a list of promises. God will dwell with his people forever. They'll lack nothing. There will be no poverty. There will be no hunger. There will be no nakedness. There will be no sorrow. From David will come a king who will illuminate the world forever. And his enemies will fall. And he will shine. Can't you feel your heart rising up with those promises? Don't take me back to David where we were always warring with somebody. Take me to this new thing, this thing where there is perfect peace forever. Part of, part of what we're saying when we're saying, Lord, yes, do those things, is we're saying, give us that set of circumstances and we'll have all we need. But when we do that, we're missing the heart behind what the Lord is saying to his people because nestled in all of these future promises is this past tense statement, language that tells us why we can bank on the future promises to happen. Why is it? It's in verse 13. The Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it. He will dwell with his people forever. What if the true reason behind our nostalgia is not to get back to a better time, but is actually to be with our creator? What if that's the longing? What if your appetite for glory is whetted by the near-perfect days because you were created for an eternity of them? What if that's the reason where at the center of every one of them is Christ the King? Psalm 
C.S. Lewis said, our, our nostalgia is just the scent of a flower we haven't found. It's the echo of a tune we haven't heard. It's news from a country that we've never yet visited. In many ways, we've seen God's promises in this psalm fulfilled in what? In the person and work of Jesus Christ. But one of the realities of this life, this side of eternity, this side of his return is that we live in the tension, right, of the already and the not yet. Promises have been made. The ultimate fulfillment of those promises is something we still await. His promises are already yes in Christ, but we're still waiting for the country we have never visited. Revelation 21 gives us a picture of the country we're waiting for. And I'll conclude with this. This is the echo of the tune we so long to hear. Revelation 21 says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. The pilgrim disciple sees this life as a journey. But it's not a journey to a better time, back to a better time, or to a more perfect place, or even to greater prosperity. It's a journey into a relationship. And it's the one that we were made to know and enjoy forever. And for those who are in Christ, as great as the circumstances of the coming kingdom may appear, we will find its best quality comes from the fact that we are with our king. That's what makes it great. And so may the Lord take your desire and my desire for better days and for peaceful nights and use them to awaken in us a tenacious faith and to awaken in us worship. Because your security doesn't lie in circumstances, but in a relationship. And this psalm reminds us that that relationship is secure for those who trust in God, not because we create or recreate the right environment for it, but because God himself wants it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the beauty, beautiful passages of scripture like this that soar, that, that, that give us a picture of a glorious outcome that awaits us. And Father, we thank you that it is more than, than uh, elaborate feasts and, and, and 
streets paved with gold, but it's a relationship, an intimate relationship with you that you're calling us to and that you're bringing us home to. Lord, we confess that we struggle. We struggle to wait well. So help us, Lord. Help us to trust in you. Help us to rest in the ways that you are taking care of us. Help us to believe in a future glory that is greater than any nostalgic, romantic idea of the past we could ever have. Thank you that you are always moving us forward and deeper into our relationship with you and that the promise, the ultimate outcome is eternal peace in your presence forever and nothing less than that. May this be our joy and our strength as we struggle and as we wrestle and may we trust in you for every good thing. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray, amen.